Welcome to episode 41 of the Princeton Podcast, produced by the podcast production team at HG Media, providing audio and video production services here in Princeton since 1999. In this episode, our Princeton Podcast host, Mayor Mark Frieda, welcomed Julia Wall, head of school at Stewart Country Day School of the Sacred Heart, a leading preschool to grade 12 private school here in Princeton designed just for girls. In addition to discussing Stewart's mission to educate young women to a life of leadership and service, Julia described how Stewart is uniquely positioned to provide an environment where girls shine, where they are willing and able to take risks and explore opportunities. Through Stewart's highly personalized and academically rigorous curriculum, with nurturing and expert faculty who know girls well, Julia described why Stewart girls graduate as compassionate and empowered global citizens who are driven to be forces of change in our world. I enjoyed meeting Julia Wall, as well as learning more about Stewart Country Day School's history here in Princeton, its academic philosophy, and many of its traditional activities. So without any further introduction, let's join our host, Mark Frieda, and his guest, Julia Wall, for episode 41 of the Princeton Podcast. Julia, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. It's our pleasure, really. Hey, so tell us a little bit about Stewart Country Day School. So Stewart Country Day School of the Sacred Heart is right here in the heart of Princeton. It's an all-girls, independent Catholic day school. We serve students grades K to 12 in our all-girls program, and then we have a co-ed preschool as well. Its mission really is to prepare young women for lives of exceptional leadership. Wow, that's pretty impressive. What is your background experience? So, you know, yeah, tell us about what prepared you to be at Stewart. Yeah, so I, I just finished my first year, and I believe it was a, success, a successful year. My goal really was to get to know all parts of the community and all of its stakeholders, and I am so lucky that it is already a, a hugely connected school community, and it's small enough to really get to know all the families over a short period of time. And so prior to me being the head of school here, I was at a school called Kent Place School, and I was the assistant head of school there, and I was there for about 11 years. It's also an all-girls K-12 school, a very similar mission in terms of its leadership development. And prior to that, I was at another all-girls school in the Bronx called Preston High School. It was a K-12 Catholic school, and that's where I started my teaching career as an, an English, English teacher. Yeah. Wow. Well, you're, you're, so you definitely have the background and definitely have the experience. Mm -hmm. So why an all-girls school? I have always wanted to lift up all-girls environments my entire educational career. As I had mentioned, I started as a teacher in an all-girls setting. I did not go to an all-girls school myself. I actually came into that school environment with all of the myths that I believe a lot of people who have not experienced an all-girls setting might have. And, uh, and I was completely blown away by a very different environment that an all-girls setting can provide. I, I felt like the students really championed each other in, in a very unique way that I don't remember experiencing in middle and, and high school. I, I 
thought that the level of meaningful relationships that they were able to cultivate with each other because they were truly themselves was so powerful, not just in the academic setting, but also in their social lives. And so they, I just felt like students moved more freely in that type of environment, got closer to who they really were, and then therefore they stretched themselves in really expansive ways. They took really healthy risks in their learning and in their leadership development. And so from that first teaching experience, it has really been my motivating driver as an educator to continue to empower all girls schools. And so when I was seeking my first headship and when the opportunity to lead Stuart, who is in the, 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 the regional and national community, a real leader in girls education, I jumped at it. I, I just thought, what a gift right. uh, this could be and, and how there was so much mission alignment for me. So that's great that it all lined up. So what do you think a typical graduate from Stewart might say if you were to, you know, ask them to come back and talk to girls now at the school? Yeah. Any idea what? I mean, I have some idea because I spent the better part of a year doing that. <laughs> yeah. And I traveled across the country getting to know as many alums as I could. I'm still on that journey. There are 3,000 of them. So I, I certainly don't know all of them for sure. But what I hear over and over is three things. One is that they felt hugely confident in their ability to express their voice in myriad climates and, and, and in myriad ways. So when they left to go to college, they didn't hesitate to raise their hand when they saw their peers maybe hesitating. They, they took on leadership roles in college that they likely, they didn't see their, their peers taking on. So there was a confidence that came from probably daily practice of mm. expression that, that they took with them to college and beyond. I think the other thing that they express is a high level of competence that they felt very prepared academically to be in all spaces and 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 they spoke especially about their competency in stem fields when oftentimes they were a, a minority in the classroom and and felt like they had the skills in place to to navigate in sort of a male-dominated classroom environment. So I think competence and competence to move in all spaces. And then the last thing that I picked up, which I think is really unique to Stuart, is this thread of compassion and service mm. that 201, and, and really from from kids that maybe just graduated all the way up to 90-year-old, uh, or uh, sorry, about 80-year-old alums that I met, they there's a thread in their life that remains of feeling impelled to action, that in their awareness of, of what the world needs, that they feel compelled to contribute to its solution. And so they are in some way or, or, or fashion, whether it's through their work life or whether it's through their home life or their service to community, they all seem to express that desire and that it's almost from a gut that says this is part of my purpose and I need to contribute. And so that, for me, that's, those are the common themes that I hear from alums. That's pretty impressive. That's very nice. I mean, you want people to come out and be involved in the world around them. Yeah. 
And so you're obviously preparing them to do that very well. Yeah, and I think that sometimes schools really limit their their definition of success to maybe where students land or what jobs they have. And to me, the work of schools is how to raise a 40-year-old. And and when you get to a certain age in your life, you realize that that you are a full person that needs to to be nurtured and honored and, and embraced and grown in all those ways. And that if we really measure school success by these very linear pathways, we miss out on the humanity of school and on humans themselves. So, yeah. Wow. That's great. Thank you. So I read that Stuart actually belongs to a network of schools. Can you explain you know, what that is and how that works? Yeah, so we are a Sacred Heart school. And so what that means is that there are about 25 schools across the country and in Canada and Mexico, part of one conglomerate of schools that shares a mission, shares a purpose, and then also shares programming. And so we're in this terrific area of being an independent school where really we get to craft the curriculum and the pedagogy that's most appropriate for the students that are right in front of us and we have great freedom to do that but we're anchored by these terrific goals and criteria for what school should feel like and what's its what its purpose are and and not just very briefly, the, the five goals that it's anchored by is a personal and active faith, that Stewart is a school that by definition is Catholic, but it serves a wide and diverse range of, of religious and non-religious affiliated families. So we have about a third of our students who identify as Catholic and two thirds that identify as another religion or without a, a formal religion. And so we really focus on this idea of of a child's inner spirituality and how we grow that inner spirituality as really a compass and an anchor for them. So that's goal one. Goal two is a deep respect for intellectual values so that that there's meaning in life that can be derived when you seek and constantly are seeking and learning and and coming to understand and are curious and and that you're fulfilled by that. And so that's not just a goal for school, but that's a goal for life. I talked a little bit about the third goal, that social awareness that impels us to action. The fourth goal is that we are inspired to build community wherever we are. And that means that we're building inclusive communities and communities where every person in that community belongs and that we're eradicating systems that that might make that difficult. And so it's it's not a, a passive uh, participation in community, but it's really an active participation in building community. And then the last one, which for a middle schooler is the favorite, it's a personal growth in an atmosphere of wise freedom that we feel like when we can trust students with freedoms and we're able to walk alongside them in their academic exploration and then their social and emotional exploration, then we're really able to, they're able to grow and stretch. And so what that looks like in our school and in all Sacred Heart schools is that Students enter in with a lot of ownership of decision making. They they get to make wise choices, as they say, that are led by an ethical compass and deliberation and reasoning. So so that's kind of the Sacred Heart philosophy that as a school leader entering in new are a roadmap 
for how then I operate a school within those criteria. And I think it's a beautiful roadmap for what education should look like. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I just loved hearing all that because I think whether whether you're whatever, whether it's an all-girls school or for any school, yeah. right, yeah, to have yeah. those kind of values yeah. and that's how you prepare someone yeah. for later life, wow, I mean, yeah. that is, they're going to be well-prepared. Another benefit of that school network is there is a lot of programming that's associated with it. So our middle schoolers go all around the country for a three-week period of time and exchange with other students from network schools as well. So last year they went to to Florida and to San Francisco and to New Orleans and and all over. And so, and then in exchange, we have students that are in our community for that same period of time. So that's, I think, a way that they're really seeing an expanded world. And then our upper schoolers do that same program internationally. So they'll go to schools in Mexico and France and Japan and and Australia and Ireland and so again it's it's thinking about how do I build empathy around in a world that really needs empathy and we build yeah. empathy by stepping in each other's shoes yeah. so that's a, a terrific addition to being a member school as well yeah what great opportunities you provide to the students that's amazing yeah okay so from what I understand of a Sacred Heart School Social global awareness is a critical part of the overall education. Can you explain? So what does that actually mean? <laughs> a global awareness? Well, I think that all schools are really keyed in on this. I mean, this isn't, I, I, I would be remiss to say that, that we do this in isolation, that I think that what, what good schools know is that, that we cannot educate students in a vacuum. It is really important that we're introducing context, global context around our academic program, around the, the students that are in our classroom. It's really important that, that, that myriad perspectives are, are learned about, that are celebrated, and that are embraced. So, so I think that that's what we mean in terms of building that awareness piece so that then we know and our students know what the work is that, that we need to do. So that, that takes shape in, in our curriculum, for sure, and also in our service learning programs and just in some of our daily practice. We do a lot of local service around, around our communities as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and service is a funny thing, too, because I think that we've stopped using the word service as much as I think that there is that, that and, and traded it really for the idea of partnership because our students are gaining so much from the partnerships that, that have been developed developed with schools like with the communities like for instance Princeton Nursery when our students have the gift of going in and and reading to the students and then in in kind maybe the students have some some mentoring or some mentorship in mm-hmm. our older students so there's a a reciprocity that I think we acknowledge when we're thinking about getting and giving right so it is a true partnership it's both it's going both ways I believe yeah. that that's what we have to we have to acknowledge. Yeah. 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 That's a very good way to look at it. I think kind of alluded to this, an important aspect of a steward education is personal growth. Can you kind of talk, you know, a, a little bit more about that? Yeah. I mean, I think that the world is really complex for students right now. It's really noisy right now as well. And they are receiving a lot of competing messages. They're, they're receiving a lot of information in general 
And it's important that we as educators are walking alongside them as they decipher what they are going to believe. And so I think that the the freedom to explore all the 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 information that's out there is part of our role as an educator, but also to help them decipher mm. the, the the information and 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 what it might be saying and what the hidden messages might be. And I, I think that that allowing that exploration is is what we mean by the the personal growth. At the end of the day, we're not here to teach them what to believe. We're we're here to teach them how to decipher yeah. and and how how to how to how to deliberate um, and, and then determine for themselves what 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 paths they want to go down which is a critical skill I mean I really think you have to you really have to learn how to listen yeah and it's important not just to hear people but actually listen to them and figure out what is what is it they're actually saying and yeah. I think in the world of not to go on too much of a tangent but like in the political world yeah. you really want to <laughs> you want to be sure that you listen to what politicians have to say with a grain of salt and really translate what they're saying versus what they really mean. Yeah. And, and I think that's in, all in, in your family life and anything you really need yeah, to. I mean, I, I think that, you know, going back to our, our initial mission of building leaders and, and building the capacity to lead, leadership development is that. It really, I mean, a, a key component is listening and deliberating. And sometimes we confuse what leadership looks like. We, we think that it's a soapbox and the, the loudest voice and the one that is able to compel and convince quickly. But really, I think true leadership is, is really understanding what a community needs and then serving it and 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 not doing it in a way that that is pulling attention towards you but I, I think that that that's those are the skills that firstly I think women have been doing for for you know eons I, I think that women naturally are community builders they 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 galvanize groups and and then work to lead from within that has been a skill that i think and so c- coming with that is a, a great level of empathy a great level of understanding and knowing that r- rising tide lifts all boats is kind of a, a a philosophy i think of girls leadership oftentimes and so so to to harness all of those those skills that I think women for de- generations have been using and then really placing women in spheres of influence over time is an unbelievable legacy that I can get excited about. And I think that, you know, my theory of change is that if women who graduate from schools like Stewart are in spheres of influence, over time, then we will get closer to the world that we want. Right. Uh, so, so that's that's hugely exciting. I don't know if I went off on a. No, we're good. Myself. That was all good. <laughs> that was tremendous. So, I, I would imagine, like most schools, Stewart must have traditions or some special traditions that are there. Could you elaborate on that? 
Oh, there's so many. I mean, we we're, we are celebrating our 60th year uh-huh. this year. So it's it's really an exciting time. And we just finished our school year, which, uh, you know, every school usually at the end of the year has its ceremonies and, and longstanding traditions. And, and we have these ceremonies called Prize Day at each division, where as a head of school, I get to acknowledge each student at the end of every year. Their name is read. They are handed a what's called a prize, but it's really a gift. And in that gift are acknowledgments from their teachers of of ways that they have been contri- contributors to mm. our community and their affirmations. And I think of how special that is to be able to to look at every kid as they're leaving their school year and say, I'm proud of you. I mean, that that's not something that every head of school gets to do. And it's because we're small and because these types of traditions and ceremonies exist that I get to do that. And then we had graduation, which was such a beautiful ceremony. And in that graduation, every student was, there was a paragraph written about every student and what they, how they contributed to our school community. So usually graduations are, you say your name, you, you, you know, you're on and (laughs) off the, the, the stage in a heartbeat, but you know, some of our students have, have been with us for 12 years. Some of them have been with us for two years. Yeah. But they all have made their mark here and deserved, they deserve their moment of shining. And, and so in a school like ours, I think we're able to do that. So there's lots of traditions that are embedded in our community that really acknowledge the single child, you know. And I think that that then feels like, wow, this place really knows me. And then we have, you know, one of the favorite traditions is something called kanje. And, and what it is, is that every year students arrive to school and on a random day, school is shut down and everyone gets on a bus and goes to someplace special. So this year they all got on a bus and went to American Dream Mall. Another (laughs) group went and they went to Six Flags. Another one went to the movies and then roller skating. And, And the point of that is, is that our students work incredibly hard and we need to offer some releases from that yes. and and thinking about health and wellness of of girls in particular where they are especially for high achieving highly motivated girls that they they will grind you know they they will keep that pressure on themselves yeah. and so as a school community that knows that and knows that they have high sights for themselves we have to make sure that we are providing some release valves within the school and so there are many other traditions that are in alignment with that too but kanje is the one that everyone remembers <laughs> schools like ours and especially in the sacred heart network just are embedded with so many traditions yeah yeah well, I like the one though where you're paying attention to the the mental well-being of the this well the overall well-being also not just the mental but you know yeah. that release because there's a lot of pressure on on students these days and yeah you and know. we are in a pocket of the nation that it mm. is especially that way yes. I mean we are we are anchored by a an elite institution right yeah. and we are in a, a region a, a region and a community that really values achievement and education and I believe that you can have that environment without as much pain yes there, there yeah. is ways that you can achieve everything that you want to achieve and not, and also administer the joy that should accompany any hard work. And so teaching 
girls how to get into their flow so that the work doesn't feel so painful. And then seeing when they really do need some extra support really can only be done if you truly know your students and see, you know, when they are falling, falling off or falling down. So, so I think that we do a really good job at that. Yeah. It's a crisis in, in the nation, I think, right now, the health and wellness of students. And, and I think it's, it's really, this is a, a critical moment for schools to take the lead in how we build in students the capacity for resilience and, and then in turn leadership, because we do not want a nation of sick leaders that, that are, are going to burn out or don't know how to manage their own health and wellness. That, that is a key component for success. Yeah, I have to agree. All right, so where where's Stuart going in the future? Plans, goals that you want to share with us? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny. After year one, you, you take a lot of data in. And, and I think that the main job this summer is, is sifting through that data. And, and certainly things are bubbling to the top. And, and I, we mentioned probably one of my primary goals is how do we integrate our student support services with our academic program much more seamlessly and de-silo some of those things. So we are taking a hard look at time and resources and how we combine those things to make sure that our students' health and well-being is at the center of, of our, our primary purpose because we believe that if that is, is, is connected, then math will come, English will come, all of those other things will just be received with better care. So that that's a direction that I think you'll you'll start seeing from Stuart in, in how we talk about Stuart, but also some of our spaces, de-siloing even our our personnel, you know, oftentimes we, we get into our offices and we say, I'm doing this thing and then I'm doing this thing and, and we don't talk to each other. So mm-hmm. really integrating and, and then teaming together to, to really offer a better level of care, I think is, is front of mind. Our, our academic departments are already doing that. You know, I think that gone are the days that that English is separate from from history is separate from art. I mean, I think that that we're missing oftentimes the point of of how these things are integrated and how these disciplines can better integrate and then make meaning. So so our academic program really took the lead on that. And and now it's time for our student support services to do the same. Julia, this has been an eye-opener for me. All that the steward provides to the students is just just amazing. So thank you very much for having shared all that with us today. Thank I really appreciate here. the opportunity. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for the 41st episode of the Princeton Podcast, produced by the podcast production team at HG Media, providing audio and video production services here in Princeton since 1999. If you enjoyed this episode of the Princeton Podcast, please share it with your friends. Visit our website at princetonpodcast.com and be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts.